Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hadj Assad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, 2024 listeners. Greetings to all of our listeners. It doesn't matter what year you're listening to this from, but I suppose it makes more sense if you listen to it in 2024 or later, right? Or Not if earlier. Were, or if you were born in 2024 and you're listening to this at some kind of archival thing 20 years from now in the future. Do you think they'll put our podcast in a time capsule or a future digital time capsule of some sort? I think in the future, it'll probably just be beamed directly into our brains, maybe using some kind of pheromonal transmission system. We can't even really think about it. You know, it's funny. It's like we think about how futuristic 20 years in the future will be. But really, 20 years ago, it was 2000. (laughs) Yeah, that was, you know, that was a decade. That was two decades ago. Yeah. And we were still dealing with the fallout from the ska and swing revival. So uh, (laughs) that's true. Um, greetings to the people in the new year. It's been a, it's been a nice little break that Ben and I had, and we had, um, a little gift for our, for our future listeners. We're going to be, uh, available on YouTube as well, but just to be warned, there's no, there's no video component of it. It's just a way for you to listen to us on, um, maybe YouTube music or something like that. Yeah, it's it's you can watch a video of the podcast, but it's just the logo, so it's yeah. not the most engaging thing. But it, it's a new a new way for us to distribute the podcast. And like Sammy said, it goes out to Google's always shuffling around its various music services. Yeah, we used to have Google Play Music. That's yeah. gone. We have Google Podcasts. I think that's gone. I think too. that's gone too. Although <laughs> I still get. stats from that okay maybe it's not gone then (laughs) i mean i don't know how it's weird how they choose (laughs) getting rid of stuff they just deprecate things and they don't tell you but anyway youtube is the new hotness for google music and stuff and but like it's easy on google music i mean i'm sorry on youtube oh man on youtube to send a comment or something right to leave a comment i think that's uh that's a pretty sure i mean yeah you can comment on individual episodes so if you do that in theory we're notified and we have had a couple of people um talk to us recently via youtube and we've had some good conversations about that so if that's your thing and if you regularly use youtube that's yet another way to reach out to us very cool. Ben, uh, why don't you tell the listeners, before we get into it, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find your latest work? Sure, you can find my work at Motor Trend, at Inside Hook, and at Haggerty. And you can find my work at autotrader.ca, driving.ca, Nouveau Magazine, and I think that's it for now, to be honest. <laughs> and also, Sammy and I both work for uh, Capital One Automotive, which is uh, a kind of a newcomer. It was it been two years now? Yep. Longer, yeah. I think. Yeah, so that's we're out there as well. It's 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 fun to have us both writing at the same place, and uh, it's varied content. Like it's the the topics are, I mean, they range across. It's mostly consumer focused stuff, but they're but there's some enthusiast oriented stuff. Yeah, from culture, car culture. It's very wide ranging. So um, if you don't be surprised if you see our names there too. Um, ben, we've got some cars to talk about this week. It's pretty common. We do that most weeks um, on our podcast. Indeed, indeed, we do. But most of the time, they're SUVs, and this week is no different because you've got a big old SUV to talk about, right? Just before we get into this, Sammy, oh, okay. completely unrelated, but also related, I realized that now in the in the world of movies, because I watch a lot of movies over the holidays because that's what I do, and yeah. uh, there's now a movie called Gran Turismo based on the video game. <laughs> we talked about this before we closed the last Yes, yes. But okay. there's also a movie called Gran Torino, which is based on yes. an old man's racism. <laughs> 
And I was thinking very about similar movies. How confusing is it that these two movies have essentially identical titles? And, and so if you're you saying would, if it was like my dad trying to find, uh, or or I don't know, maybe not my dad. I shouldn't talk. About I don't know. My dad is your way. dad always armed and live in a bag? <laughs> no, but I'm saying if he went to the Blu-ray store. Assuming there's a Blu-ray store Blu-ray still around. Store. I would love if there was. <laughs> and he's just looking at these two. He's like, Sammy said he liked this game. Yeah. It's, it's grand like, something. It's more like gonna... you're on Netflix and you type grand <laughs> and yeah. you get these two <laughs> options. You're going to have very different experiences, but they're both related to cars. So that's why I wanted to bring that up. Okay. Very cool. That was a great um, <laughs> lucid Total digression. <laughs> Ben, what have you been driving recently? What did you drive during the holidays? So I spent a very long period of time, much longer than normal. I would say almost 20 days um, driving the 2024 X7 uh, X-Drive M60, I believe is the full title of that vehicle. So that's the twin turbo V8 version of the biggest three-row SUV you can get from BMW. And you basically stole this car. That's how you had it for so long. Well, it's it's not so often during the holidays. It's easier to get extended loans just because um, nobody wants to work. <laughs> yeah, nobody wants to work. As, uh, as my as my parents tell me at the kitchen table. As your day. parents in Grant in the movie Grand Torino tell you. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Um, the, the fleet locations are often closing and opening at unusual hours. But it all depends on when the holidays fall. Uh, sometimes it'll have a long weekend. Sometimes it'll be the middle of the week. So the easiest thing is to just spread out the loan as long as you can for the vehicle. And that way you can get back into the regular rhythm when the holidays are done. So this year, because of when the holidays started and because of the extended holiday that the fleet location I was working with took, I, I picked it up on like a Monday and then returned it like two following Wednesdays later. So it was a really long period of time with the vehicle. And it was perfect because... I try to during the holidays, knowing that I have this extended period and knowing that I'm probably going to be doing a lot of driving uh, to visit family and friends. You get the most fuel unfriendly vehicle you can get a twin turbo V8. Yeah, there's that heaviest, largest. Uh, I try to get something that's going to be comfortable and is going to be useful in case I need to travel with family or in case I need to haul stuff around. Mm -hmm. And I did. I didn't travel with family um, with this vehicle. I did haul some friends around, but I did use the cargo of it quite a bit. And that actually <laughs> helped inform a few opinions about the vehicle that I wasn't aware I had. <laughs> but uh, Sammy, you and I have driven the X7 a few times. It's a vehicle mm-hmm. we talk a lot about on the show when we're talking about full-size luxury crossovers, because it's, I think, become the gold standard that we compare other vehicles to. Yeah, especially the three-row premium um, segment, which I also drove um, a three-row luxury SUV that we'll talk about later. Um, It's both fairly – it feels like one of the few luxury vehicles that actually seem like they're worth the money based on – um, interior and and road manners, I think, right? Yeah, and uh, this is this is a car. I think you really hit it on the head. This thing nails all the important aspects of a luxury vehicle of this size. Uh, it has ridiculous power, like the M60. I think it's something like 523 horsepower. It does 60 in 3.8 seconds, which is insane given its size. Holy. Three point what? Three point eight seconds. Holy moly! Yeah. Uh, it's very large, so it's extremely comfortable inside in terms of just passenger room. Even the third row in this vehicle is comfortable to use for adults, which is not a given for vehicles like this. It looks good, I think. 
I'm into the styling. I remember when this car came out, everyone was like, oh, it has a giant grill. That's terrible and hideous. I, I went to the launch event, um, what, 2018, I think. Yeah. And we, I, we've talked about this on the show too, driving down the, uh, the interstate from Boca Raton, or sorry, to Boca Raton from Tallahassee in Florida. And uh, it was so new at that point that it really stuck out. But at this point, BMW has released a cavalcade of giant grills. <laughs> and I think the X7 just kind of looks classy now. I don't think it really has an unusual appearance. So it's They've given it an exterior refresh. I think the headlights changed a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I think it's what the mid-cycle refresh, um, or they call it the life cycle pulse or impulse or something. That's the, Excuse official, me? the official BMW title for a refresh is like life cycle pulse, I believe. Okay, then. Yeah, that's the internal thing. Just like sports activity vehicle, a term that no one has ever used anywhere outside. You of, just did. Outside just of did. air quotes. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah. So it's it's big. It's comfortable. It looks good. The M60 version is supposed to be sportier in the sense that it has a sporty suspension. I'm going to tell you that it's a very big vehicle that continues to drive like a very big vehicle. Mm-hmm. It comes with adaptive suspension. It has air air shocks on it. Uh, You can raise and lower the ride height, which is very useful when you're loading stuff or when you're putting people in it who are maybe a little bit smaller in stature. But in terms of like it being a rewarding vehicle to drive aggressively, I don't necessarily think that's true. I I use the sport mode a few times, but being behind the wheel of something this size, it's not really egging me on to drive like a maniac or to to treat it like a sports sedan. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Um, I think... We have this issue a lot with some of these bigger vehicles that are that are you know sport branded. Are they are they just what are they channeling right? Are they in ch- channeling like you said? Are they egging you on to drive a little bit more aggressively? Or are they just trying to take someone who wants a responsive powertrain, a responsive powertrain, or responsive handling to feel comfortable in this vehicle? Right? Yeah, and I will say this though: sometimes you get a vehicle like this that tries to be sporty, and what you just end up getting is a suspension system that rides frustratingly rough when the mm-hmm. road is not super smooth. I didn't have that happen with this vehicle. That's okay, a, that's a positive. BMW's dialed that out. It it felt it was really an excellent road tripper. Uh, I put a lot of miles on it, probably about eight hundred miles over the course wow, of the okay. seventeen days. And uh, the only real problem I had. Driving wise, is that worked out to like seventeen miles per gallon overall? Jeez, what? Yeah, it's no. It, take that back. You no, gotta do your math again. That it's, can't be. It's that was the average, and most of that was highway. I would say eighty percent. So it is. It it is a thirsty vehicle to drive, which is makes complete sense given the size of its engine and the size of it. And if you look at like the the engine, so last year this was called the X Drive Fifty, I think. This year it's the M60i, and I guess it gets the additional sporty stuff, like the look a little bit and the suspension that we talked about. But the uh, the fuel economy officially is 16 uh, city, 21 highway, and 18 overall. So I'm really close to the overall rating. And that's wow. during the winter okay. too. So, you know, it was cold from time to time, and it was dealing with that. Uh, as I mentioned, that I don't know. That's the... Uh... That's not ideal to me. I don't think that's the best kind of fuel efficiency yeah. you want, especially over a long period of time. But here's the you're, thing. I mean, you're going to be hurting after a while. It's a $108,000 vehicle in the U.S. It's 128000 in Canada. This is not the kind of vehicle where the buyer particularly cares about efficiency. So I am willing to cut it slack. If you're buying a twin turbo three-row luxury SUV, you should be aware from the 
from the get-go that it's not going to be frugal. I mean, if you want that, you're going to have to either get a hybrid, which you can get from BMW if you go a little bit smaller, or get a diesel, which I think is harder to do, but I believe you can still do it with the Denali from the, the GMC Yukon Denali. Is that still available with a diesel? I'm not sure. I am... Um... I'm not totally sure about that. The You're es- the person to ask about that. I think the Escalade probably offers a diesel as well. You think so? I I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm I thought they out. I thought they gave up on those diesels. No, the uh, the the GM three liter is still around. Um, let me see. So yeah, it was available as of 2021. So I'm assuming it's still available in the lineup. Yeah, it is. I just I I can build one right here. So the three liter Duramaxes, and that is honestly like I was getting I think high 20s or something with that uh, on the highway when I had it in a suburban. So oh, yes, okay, you can get it on, on the Yukon Denali as well. Yeah, so that's an that's an option if you if you really okay. care about fuel mileage. I don't think most buyers do. Um, I I really like this vehicle still. It it, it does everything well. It it has everything about it is where it needs to be, except there are aspects of the vehicle that I think have become overly complicated. And I'm trying to decide whether this is a result of I'm driving the flagship SUV from BMW, so they feel the need to stuff it with all this technology. Yeah, or whether this is representative of kind of a feature creep problem that we're starting to see with automakers in terms of how they design their cabins and how they design their software interfaces. Okay, so what are you talking about? Like, is, are there buttons and there's no buttons? What's the problem here? I want to start with the infotainment system. Because the infotainment system on the X7 is responsible for a lot of things, including almost every aspect of climate control now. And there's a there are hard buttons for things like um, the defrost front and rear. But if you want to change the temperature, you're going to be using the infotainment screen. It has uh, always present on the screen. You have the temperature for each side of the vehicle because it's like quad zone, basically. <laughs> but like in terms of... You know how you want to turn something on auto, you want to turn it on manual control. If you want to do that for the BMW X7, you have to go into the infotainment system to the climate control thing, which is not hard to do. But once you get there, and and this might be on me, I could not figure out how to separate various features. It was either everything was auto or everything was manual. And I'm going to explain why that's a problem. BMW bundles the seat heat controls with the climate control for heating and cooling. So if I wanted to have it set to, say, 72 degrees inside or 20 degrees in Canada inside the cabin, and I set it to auto, that also set my seat to auto heat. And I, I could, see. Okay. I could control whether it was low, medium, or high, but that didn't automatically turn it on. If I left it at medium and I set it to auto, it wouldn't turn on. I'd have to turn it to high. And then I have a high seat with medium cooling from the vents. And it was super strange. And the alternative was turn everything off of... It's one button on the top left. It says auto. Turn everything off auto. And now I'm manually controlling the vent speed for the fan, Mm -hmm. the temperature for every single position in the vehicle. And And is that overkill or is that... uh, Do you like that? I don't like like it at all because I can't just turn on the heated seat. I can't. The car decides when the heated seat turns on. Okay. Um, I, I can't think of another vehicle that does that. Can you? Unless you go, unless you go to this full manual kind of mode, and then you're like overwhelmed with a bajillion features. I, can't, uh, I mean, like I options. can't have automatic climate control and manually control my seat. Yeah, that's bizarre. I agree. It's super strange. And then you start looking at the door controls for the seats, and 
Like the the vehicle has a, a massage program, but it also has controls where you can slide the second row forward and backwards from the front mm-hmm. to uh, let people in to the rear row. So you can kind of like, if they're having trouble moving the seat themselves, I guess you can do it for them. It's not clear how this works. Like you, you start to get into a whole bunch of different buttons on the actual door itself. And I'm looking at these buttons and I'm trying to find the heater controls because you figure that's where they would be. But instead I have all these other buttons. And then you look at the passenger side and there's also other buttons, but they don't have the same functionality, yet they're in <laughs> similar places. And it starts to get really confusing. So Ouch, okay, that was one aspect of the vehicle I wasn't that impressed with because if you're driving an X5, I can't remember having that same problem. I can't remember any vehicle forcing me to automatically control the seat, the the seat heaters, and I guess seat cooling as well. Um, it's possible that I just didn't know how to use the system properly. That <laughs> itself is another problem, if that's true. Because up until now, BMW has generally been very intuitive in terms of how that works. There was another aspect of this kind of automatic all-for-everything control that was bothersome to me. The cruise control system has adaptive cruise, and then it has like an advanced adaptive cruise, and that will do lane centering and kind of steer the car a little bit for you as well. It's supposed to have lane, excuse me, lane change assist. I couldn't really get that to work properly. But the frustrating aspect was when you're in the the advanced um, cruise control, if you look away from the road for like, a second, you get a warning on the dash and a chime saying to pay attention. It's telling you Oof. you're being inattentive. And this is... It's that quick, you're saying? It's that quick. Like, I'm talking about, I'm going to the infotainment system to change the radio station, and I'm not even turning my head. I'm just looking at it, <laughs> and it's beeping at me. And this made me crazy, Sammy. I went into the I went into the safety systems, and I turned everything off. Because I was <laughs> trying like to... that's it. I was trying to figure out what it was, and you can't turn it off. It is part of the advanced cruise. If you just use regular adaptive cruise, it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. But it's baked into the advanced cruise. It's constantly watching you. If you're wearing uh, polarized sunglasses. It it tells you to take them off and stare into the sun. It probably, it (laughs) might not even work. I'm not sure if you can use the system with polarized because it can't see through them. Uh, If your steering wheel is positioned to the point where it's hiding the camera, it also probably disables that feature. So it, it just felt really aggressive in a way that, you know how on most um, adaptive control, cruise controls or, you know, lane change, whatever, you can choose how aggressive you want the intervention to be? Mm-hmm. You, you can't do that with the system. So that was frustrating. Okay. So those are a couple of – to me, those sound like some pretty significant um, um, compromises you have to have to enjoy this vehicle. I don't remember the climate control system being that um, – I don't know, like uh, – well, Simple, this, I guess, is the word to it use. It might be a life cycle pulse thing that they've just introduced. <laughs> I see. I yeah, maybe. Know. There's a chance, of course. The, but um, I used to be very impressed with the technology and the infotainment system available in BM, in recent BMWs. So are you saying that's that's gone through like sort of an overhaul and that's no sure. longer as as um, as easy to use as it used to be? I think that it's a case of this is the flagship, so we're going to do everything for you. And mm-hmm. I don't appreciate it. I wish I'd been able to to separate these systems and figure it out a little better. I, I couldn't get it done. Um, the, the one other thing about the vehicle that really surprised me was the second row of seats. You have two options in this vehicle. So I mentioned earlier that this is a true seven-seater. 
or six seater, depending on how you configure it. Cause you can use those rear seats if you want to. I did okay. not need to use the rear seats, but I did need to use the cargo area in the vehicle twice. Uh, one is I bought a chair for my partner for Christmas, an office chair, and we went to pick it up and we fit it inside the vehicle. And I also uh, picked up a recliner, which was much larger, but fortunately came apart into different pieces and put that in the back too. It, I say fortunately because my X7 was outfitted with captain's chairs in the second row. There's a bench that's available as well. The bench folds flat, which allows you to access a huge cargo area in the X7. But if you buy the captain's chairs, they do not fold flat at all. <laughs> that to okay. me is astounding. What you can do is there's it, it a way to straighten the seat back and slide the seat as far forward as you can to give you more cargo space, which is what I ended up doing for the recliner. But you can't take full advantage of the ginormous amount of interior room you have with this big boned SUV. Same and so you're saying you're saying you what would you prefer then the, the the bench seat or the with the maximum amount of cargo space that of course, you can get of course i don't or sit in the, the second captain row seat. but i mean this is a luxury vehicle you mean you want to have the luxury of a luxury vehicle sure, right Sure, I, I i get that but again i don't sit in the second row i would i don't want to compromise the utility of my vehicle i if i'm buying something this big it's because i want to take advantage of its mm-hmm. size and you can't do that with the second row captain's chairs this was very very surprising to me it's hard to think of a vehicle that does not fold the second row. Um, I, I I don't see... I mean, it's... I think captain's chairs are a little bit more, um, like, excusable, but t- sometimes they do this, like, weird tumble feature but give me where they kind of, like, you can't... fold and then fold again. So why that can't like... you fold the seat back of a captain's chair flat? I can't think of a reason. I think... Because they're, like, oh, they're powered, aren't they? They're not. Even are they, they not? Were. They don't have, like, heated or vented or... Why does that matter? Massage or I, I don't think I think we have the technology to like fold the seat back. <laughs> I don't know. I I think massage seats would come would would complicate that. I don't know if your thing has rear or second row massage seats. I don't know either. You I know why that, I don't know? Because I don't sit back there. Yeah, it doesn't matter I, to me. What did matter to me was using the truck for truck like things, and I wasn't mm-hmm. able to do that. I mean, okay. I was ultimately, but if I'd had other things, like there were other items that I was trying to transport at the same time as I had the recliner. Mm -hmm. And it became like Tetris to force everything inside the vehicle. If I'd been able to fold the seats flat, it would have been so much easier. So that was very, very strange to me. How curious. Okay. Then that's docking a few marks from the unnamed automotive podcast's like favorite premium SUV here. Well, it adds an asterisk. Basically, if I'm recommending it to someone, I tell them, I'm going to have to tell them you have to get the bench seat. And you have to be warned about the the nannies. Or or they're going to yell at me. They're going to be like, I bought this big truck and I can't use it. You know, no, but those nannies, I think, are a big concern. Um, and I think your discussion about the infotainment system is is serious because and climate control because we use these features every day, or I think every day. There was one more feature with the infotainment system. There were about two or three times during the seventeen days while I was driving this vehicle, mm-hmm. it it completely erased every um, every phone that had been attached to it. Are you kidding? No. no. So you know how like... As in it like forgot the phone. Not, yes. Like just wiped They're your just gone. personal telephone. They're just gone. So <laughs> okay. when we pick up these vehicles, they often have a bunch of other people's phones that have been attached to them. So there's a list mm-hmm. because, you know, it's it's in a press fleet and other people are driving them. So when I first connect my phone, I set my phone as a priority phone and everything's fine. But two or three times 
during the course of the drive, I would get into the vehicle and my phone wouldn't connect, wouldn't connect, wouldn't connect. And then I would go to the list and it was gone. Not just my phone, every other phone that had been attached to the vehicle. And most recently, just a couple of days before I returned the vehicle, I got in and it wouldn't connect. And uh, I rebooted my phone. It wouldn't connect. I rebooted the system. It wouldn't connect. I had to um, try to delete the the phone from it, re-add the phone. That didn't work. I had to like turn it off, wait a while, do it again for it to connect. So I could get a, a Bluetooth connection going, but I couldn't get a, um, a an Android Auto connection going. It would try and it would fail every time. Anyway, it was just really weird. I can't remember having that issue with a BMW in the past. Now you also sent me some some photos of uh, a warning screen on your on your dash. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. So I think there's more than a couple of you know concerns we had with this BMW. I right? got uh, was it uh, chassis? What did yes. it say? Chassis. chassis failure. No, it didn't say failure. Oh, okay. It said like something like active chassis not available or something like that or chassis not available and i looked up this this mysterious message because clearly the chassis is there uh (laughs) supporting the full weight of the vehicle right i looked up this message and it turns out it relates to the air suspension and it has something to do with the cold uh i there were a couple of people online in message boards for bmw that had had this appear when it got cold on near their vehicle like they parked it overnight and then they turned it on the next morning and it was like chassis not available or something Mm -hmm. i it, it, it will, according to what I read, it can limit the height control for the air suspension, but it normally fixes itself. So I'm assuming it's some kind of cold sensor that's um, not working properly. It happened the day after I picked it up and then it didn't happen again for quite a while. It happened one more time, but I didn't notice any problems while driving it during this weird chassis not available situation. Yeah, so it just, I mean, it worked, but it was complaining about it. Yeah, it wasn't happy. I wasn't happy that it was cold either, to be honest. <laughs> okay, so what's the final verdict here? Are you like... I love it. Have we I think it's great. It? No, I'm not soured at all. Uh, what? I, After all of that, you still think that this car still, like, rules? I do. I no, think it's, I think no it's, way. Yeah. Order it with the bench seat. You're going to be happy. It's super comfortable. It looks great. It's quite luxurious. These are the the infotainment stuff is is frustrating and weird. Um, the adaptive cruise control you can just use normal cruise control and you don't have to deal with that problem that I was describing. But uh, I I'm not soured on it at all. I don't know. I'm kind of souring on it. I'm not. Uh, so I don't like that. I don't like much of that discussion that you've um, that you've brought up. I don't like the idea that this climate control system is all encompassing. It decides for you how to feel. Um, and you just have to deal with that. I don't like this overly sensitive nanny, even though I usually do like it. Uh, I do like the idea of a car ensuring that your eyes are on the road. Yeah, that's because you're, you're some leeway. the Subaru robot. Yeah, I think some leeway is is necessary. Um, I don't like this, you know, compromise when you get the the captain seats. I don't like that fuel economy. There are a couple of things here that I, I, I would really be wary of that I didn't feel was... Um, was worth it before. You know what I mean? I mean, if you want fuel economy, you can get the the six-cylinder version of the vehicle. It's tw- This which, needs to be a plug-in, man. This this vehicle needs to be a plug-in hybrid. The six-cliter gets 21 city and 25 highway, which is a considerable... That's that's like five miles per gallon better around town, which is, <laughs> I think, 30% better or 25% better. Yeah, it's huge. So that option is available. What I'm saying is I think we're holding this vehicle to a higher standard because of its price and because we like it so much. But it needs that's it's a hold on. 
It's a luxury vehicle. This is supposed to be a luxury yes. flagship SUV. Sure. We should be holding it to the highest standard. But I it don't should think... be representative of the best of the best. But I don't think there's a single giant SUV out there that's not diesel that can give you the fuel economy that you're looking for. Hmm. I'm going to get back to you on that. All right. You magic, you magic me one, one up and we'll talk about it. I will magic you one up. <laughs> So speaking um, of magic, okay, yeah. what were you driving that was so uh, wonderful during the holidays that okay. allows you to criticize the I X7 did, to I this did degree? Say that, but I have been in a very critical mood because of the vehicle that I have been, <laughs> I have been driving. So you're saying you you've come into this podcast with a predetermined opinion about all crossovers now? <laughs> Almost, no, not quite. That's the kind but of journalism we do on this podcast. The vehicle I drove during the holidays was the 2024 Infinity QX60. Um, in particular, I drove the top trim model, which is known as the Autobiog- uh, Autograph All-Wheel Drive. Autograph All-Wheel Drive. Yeah, I think Autobiography is the Land Rover one, right? That's right. Um, and um, I got I got problems, man. Uh, not that there's anything severely wrong with this vehicle. I just felt like it was just a Pathfinder, which is $20,000 more expensive, you know? Like... I really struggled to find what made the Infinity that much more expensive than a Pathfinder. And I'm going to be clear here. It uses the same platform, the same powertrain, which is a 3.5 liter V6 engine, as well as a 9-speed automatic. Um, Together, we've got, um, here in this vehicle, we've got 200 and, uh, just to be sure, 90 horsepower, I think. Yes. Uh, 295 horsepower and 270 pound-feet of torque, which, this is worth mentioning, that output is available in a specific version of the Pathfinder, the Rock Creek, while the other models um, of the Pathfinder have less horsepower and less torque. Now, tell me that the interior, at least, made you feel like yes. you were in a luxury vehicle. I do think that there were some elements of the interior that are worth um, discussing. I mean, I had this gorgeous, you know, caramel-colored uh, or butterscotch-colored um, interior with some quilted... Um, patterns in the uh, stitched quilted patterns in the in the upholstery as well as the dash but that was it okay i don't think that the the trim felt particularly special i don't think the infotainment screens looked any different than what you would find on a pathfinder or the digital gauge cluster there was no um rear seat entertainment system or you know fancy controls or anything like that i just felt like um i'm in a in a top trim nissan product and that really made me you know, struggle to connect with the Infinity because of this. It, it, it did what it was supposed to do. It did what it was supposed to do. No problems. But I always, I, I mean, these are luxury products. They're supposed to make you feel like you've you've earned or you've you've got a special vehicle in your hands. And if you've ever been in a Pathfinder or any other Nissan, you're going to find some similarities here that I think. It reminds me of when we used to complain about Cadillac products or Bu- or Lincoln Bu- Bu- products just being fancied up um, Chevys or Fords, and that's not a that's not a trait that Infinity should be going towards. I don't think the QX50 feels like that, um, or the 55. I don't think the Q50 or Q60 feel like that. And we not, me, you and I have both talked about the QX80, which does have a Nissan counterpart, the um, Armada does not feel like just a, a fancier Nissan. It it feels like a totally different product. And this QX60 just did not do it for me. So if we're looking at sales, has mm-hmm. the QX60 been recently redesigned, Sammy? 
No, I don't think so. Because if you look at sales, it went from selling 5,000 examples in 2021 to mm-hmm. 16,000 in 2022 and then 29,000 last year. So there must be throwing something uh, on terms. Of, it's not, I'm going to say it's not super, it's not super expensive. I mean, the, the base, the entry level model, which is a front wheel drive version of the vehicle starts at around 50 grand and the top trim model is around 66. So it's not a super expensive car. I actually think, you know, price wise, um, if you just want to get into a three row SUV that is fairly spacious um, and luxury and, you know, high end you're going to be okay with this. This is going up against directly the three row version of vehicles like the RX, which is something that you do not like at all. Yeah. The three row version of the RX. First of all, is there still a three row RX? I don't think there is anymore. I don't think there is. Not since there is. So I think it's the TX now, um, Uh, which we haven't gotten our hands on. That's true. But I mean, historically this has been. Yes. I mean, the, the old RX was really not quite um, three rowy enough. Like it just wasn't a functional three row vehicle. It was really the, just a fancy two, uh, a, a two plus a two plus two, I guess. And then there's the MD, <laughs> the MDX, probably that Lincoln av- aviator. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. These are I all... think the aviator is an excellent product. I actually don't think the MDX is far off either. Um, I would probably recommend both of those vehicles over this. Okay. And, and is that because this vehicle fails in any particular way or just because it doesn't stand out? It just feels average. It just feels a little too average for me. And I think those two vehicles um, that you just brought up do not. Um, they feel like they've got they brought something to the table that is um, that is special. Let's, and let's, this one just doesn't have. Let's that. flip that script a little bit and go back to the idea of the Cadillac that you were talking about. The XC6 is the yeah. three row version of what the QX60 is supposed this, to be. I would take this maybe over an XC6. Really? So yeah, yeah. that's really. Faint praise for the Cadillac. That's then. what I'm trying to. That's. I mean, it's all like, faint praise. This is for the, the most basically. average vehicle I've driven, and I would take it over this Cadillac. <laughs> but I mean, the XT6 hasn't been like updated in a while. It feels like an old style Cadillac. I think it doesn't feel like because I think if you get a new a new Cadillac like the Escalade, the, the or the CT5 um, or the Lyric, you're going to be wowed by some of the interior technology that's in these vehicles. And I don't think the XC6 has yet caught up to that kind of um, design language or technology or engineering. The Infinity, like I said, comfortable, quiet, um, well-equipped. Um, I think the major feature here that it has over the Nissan is that it offers um, front massage seats. It also has wireless Android Auto and Apple CarPlay. It has a wireless, um, what's it called? Uh, phone charger. Um, and it has power folding or not power folding, but power retracting, uh, third row seats, which I found to be quite interesting. So you would manually fold them forward, but you could press a button for them to come back up, which I found actually, uh, makes sense because you don't want to lean all the way forward to grab those things. Why can't the motor pull them up things? I don't know. (laughs) It seems like they do go both ways. (laughs) Just saying. Um, so that was curious, but, um, those were the elements that I found to be really, um, I don't know, just that's the difference here. Um, and you've got to fall in love with the exterior styling of, of, uh, the QX60 and the interior of it is quite nice, is, is nice. I wouldn't call it like impressive or incredible, but it's, it's nice. Um, and I, I just, I just keep thinking about that aviator. The Aviator is a product that I think we didn't expect a lot out of and got a lot from it. Um, not to mention it, it has, I think, a bespoke powertrain um, in terms of that that plug-in hybrid three-liter 
um, six cylinder engine. Is that right? Isn't that right? Which yeah, well, it has. You can you can get that version. I don't know if that's the only version. But I think that's a really sweet motor. Yes, um, yeah, I'm not saying. And so. you've got um, those really impressive um, adjustable seats, massage seats, and that as well. And it just feels like a product that you haven't seen before. Um, MDX as well, um, really high quality, I think, uh, cabin and quiet and great powertrain in there as well, but just does not feel, um, this just does not feel like a luxury product. Like, I don't know how else to say it. Now, Every th- other mainstream brand, even Nissan, has a platinum trim or a, or a platinum reserve or some black badge or something yeah, that's wild. Yeah, that's a real problem for brands like Infinity. And um, they have all of these features in mainstream badged vehicles for 20 grand less, right? Now, I want to throw out a competitor that we don't talk about very often, the Land Rover Discovery. That the is, Disco, it that's starts, a great point. It starts at 61000 That's still more expensive than the cheapest version of this thing. but No, but the most expensive version of it, it it's cheaper than that, right? Didn't you say 66000 was like the top the, end for the QX? the top end for the QX. So you could get a Discovery for infinity money. I yeah. guess is what I'm saying. Um, that would seem to be a huge mismatch. You know, like yeah. it is a three row. I, I, yep. I, I, I'm not going to talk about the X5 or the GLE or anything, you know, because it's mm-hmm. a different class of vehicle. But I think the the reason I bring you up the Land Rover is because this is kind of the Land Rover that's supposed to do what the what the Infinity does. It's it's the people moving version. It's it's not really like it can do off road stuff, but it's not intended to do that. Like I don't know if you can do off road stuff in a in a even close to off road stuff in a QX60. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying yeah. the Discovery is not the hardcore off road Land Rover. Okay, there are I think other. It can do, probably do some some stuff. Yes, I that's think exactly like, what I just said. To you. I think you can get like <laughs> air suspension that uh, that would raise it to get at least a little yes. bit more ground clearance. You know. So let me re- restate my point. Yes, yeah, sorry. The Discovery is a vehicle. That that can do some off-roading stuff, but it is yeah. not the intention of Land Rover. It is no. intended to do the same mission statement as the Infinity. Mm-hmm. And when you're comparing it to the QX60, I would think that it blows it away. I think that's fair. Um, I think the only difference, maybe the powertrain is a bit strange in the, in the Discovery. It's Is it not a four-cylinder in there? I think it's a hybrid. I'm Ooh. not sure exactly. Uh, you're, you're I remember not, there being I remember there being a, a, a an overworked engine in the in the Discovery, and I didn't feel not that the the, the powertrain in the Infinity was two hundred ninety six yeah. horsepower. So it's it's essentially the same. It's the power. same. It's yeah. the same powertrain. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I would probably take a Land Rover over that. Those always also feel a little bit different and unique, and they look pretty tough. And they've got some pretty cool technology. Um, you've got to stomach, I think, a slower infotainment system, but it's not like the Infinity has a really modern, high-tech, great-looking infotainment system. And In you fact, probably won't have as many features at the base price. I think you're going to have to add right. stuff. We also got to talk about the the infotainment system in the in the Infinity. Totally functional product, but does not have any like bells and whistles. And even when you're using um, Android Auto or a smartphone projection system, it does not take up the whole screen, which is always... Co- like frustrating because I think if you've used in the new version of Android auto, it has like widgets now on the home screen. And then that, so you've got a product that takes up, you've got a screen that takes up two thirds of the infinities real estate. And then that's further split up into like a split screen of some sort. And it just looks wacky. And if there was one area where you would need to have as much screen real estate as possible, it's in a vehicle that's moving while you're trying to use it while you're (laughs) driving. You need to have big icons. You need to be able to interact with things easily. You don't want it to be scrunched into like one corner. No. Yeah. Um, So 
those are my big complaints with it. Um, it also has less space, uh, less cargo space than the Pathfinder. I don't know if that's worth mentioning. Why is that? Is the roofs roof line lower? I don't know, man. I don't think so. They just decided uh, that they're just like, hey, here. I we go. think the seats are bigger. <laughs> Again, I think it has something to do with seats. Um, so it's not a lot of cargo space that you're, you're giving up, like a couple of cubic feet. And same with the interior space is, is missing. So I think maybe um, has to do with the um, moon roof, the large panoramic sunroof, um, probably taking up some space as well. Can I pay but, more? Can I pay more and get those cubic feet back? No. Can I get like a little thing? You have to pay less and get those. Can back I get a container another... that attaches to the the trailer hitch on the bumper that gives me four cubic feet of storage? No. Um, I'm trying to see if there's something here that really just kills it, and I don't think there is. I, I just feel it's not that giant inboard spare tire. <laughs> no, both have the same. The Pathfinder and the QX60 have the same tow rating, six thousand pounds. I'm done here. Like I don't think this is the. I don't think this is the. A, car worthy of anyone's attention unless they're they're desperate to get a luxury branded three-row vehicle and are tired of whatever lincoln's got they're tired of something that's better (laughs) yeah do you know what i mean like it's it's bizarre so if you are out there listening and you have questions for us about why uh infinity just doesn't seem to can't can't seem to um, reach the same heights as its similarly priced competition or you want to talk about anything else if you want to ask sammy how his holiday really went because he didn't really talk about that um Uh-oh. the best way to do that is a bunch of ways you can reach out the f- the easiest is probably to go to the website unnamed there's a form you fill out you click submit and it goes right to our inbox or you can find us on social media uh sammy is on the cesspool that is twitter you can find him there at sammy underscore ha like you're laughing it's I'm, x now come on i'm not going to say it i'm on the friendlier instagram at hunting benjamin or you can email me the old-fashioned way benjamin at benjaminhunting.com um very cool thank you for delivering all of that i really recommend people go to our website unnamed automotive and you can see all of our previous episodes you can see photos of the cars that we're talking about you can see links to the stories that we've written about them um and don't forget there's youtube now so if you want to send us a, a a comment on that either on the page or the or the episode itself that's cool yeah we, we we'll, we'll read it um, I need to give a shout out to um, Garrett, who sent, who, gave, who gave us a little tip over the holidays on Ko-Fi or Coffee, ko-fi.com. You can find us there um, if you feel like contributing and saying that uh, you dig all the content that we've been delivering. Thank you very much for doing that. It's always appreciated. Uh, yeah. Sammy, what are you going to be talking about next week? I'm not quite sure yet. Um, I have uh, a little gap in my in my calendar for test vehicles but um there's a lot going on in the industry that i think are worth talking about um especially as the new year is here i'm going to be talking about the toyota corolla hybrid all-wheel drive sammy this is just a regular corolla not the corolla cross this is just the regular corolla with all-wheel drive and with a hybrid system and in the dead of winter here in rural Quebec, uh, where we just recently had a bit of a snowstorm. So I've been driving it on unplowed roads and formulating my opinions. Very cool. I think you're going to have some pretty good things to say about that. Not right. good, like positive, but like interesting. All right. Hey, I mean. <laughs> the pressure's on. Thank you for listening, everybody. See ya. <laughs>